This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by the Full Focus Planner, a paper planner to help you plan your year, design your days, and achieve your biggest goals. Find out more at fullfocusplanner.com. Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt. And I'm Megan Hyatt-Miller. And this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work, succeed at life, and lead with confidence. This is the time when many leaders are thinking about goal achievement for the coming year. And the perfect way to do that is to conduct what we call an annual preview, or more technically, an annual review and preview. As high achievers, all of us want to achieve even more in the year ahead. But diving back into work after the holidays causes you to lose focus. We know from years of experience that conducting an annual preview is the perfect way to get clarity on the year ahead. So we're going to do ours with you right now on the show. Follow the six steps that we'll outline today and you'll avoid carrying mistakes from last year into 2019. You'll start the year with the clarity, focus, and motivation you need to reach your goals over the next 12 months. So to help us do that, we've invited Larry Wilson, who's our senior writer on Lead to Win, to guide us through, lead us through this process. Larry, welcome, first of all. Thank you. Great to be here, guys. Hey, thanks for coming back. Yeah. Hey, before we dive in here, um, I think a lot of people would benefit from getting some background on this review preview. And it really stems from the after action review that we've talked a lot about on the podcast. But let's just remind everybody what that is and how we use it. So the after action review is a concept that we got from the US military. In fact, I was just at West Point, actually the last two days, and got to hear a general lecture on the history of West Point. One of the things he talked about was how the after action review is really integrally a part of everything they do at the academy. And it's a part of everything we do at Michael Hyatt and Company, not because we have a military background, but because we thought it was a useful process for assessing any initiative, campaign, goal, any program that we try to launch at Michael Hyatt and Company, we go through an after-action review, which allows us to assess, and we think of it as under the sort of the, the, the rubric of the KISS acronym, maybe not the acronym you're familiar with, keep it simple, stupid, but what do we want to keep doing? What do we want to improve? What do we want to stop doing? And what do we want to start doing? So it's a way to make sure that you squeeze all the juice out of this last year, make sure that you learn from it so that you can improve your results going forward. Most organizations don't do that. Most individuals don't do that. And that's why so many organizations have a repeat of the same year, year after year. They don't get better because they don't do the assessment work that happens when you do an after-action review. We're going to talk about the three-by-three goal achievement strategy. Megan, would you just remind us what that is? I know we're going to talk in detail next week, but this show today is kind of based on the same concept. Yeah, so the three-by-three strategy is just a uh, visibility strategy for goal review that involves a system for daily, weekly, and quarterly reviewing of your goals. And this is kind of like the insurance plan uh, for your annual goals so that you don't lose visibility and you have a disciplined way of keeping them front and center. So the idea is that you have three goals for the quarter. That's right. You have three priorities for the week, Yep. and you have three big tasks for each day. That's, That's right. essentially the three by three. That's how you break down the annual big goals that you have into a you know quarterly, weekly, and daily basis. Right. Well, we'll do a deep dive on that next week on the show, uh, but we're kind of basing this process off of that same conceptual material. So let's get started with this New Year's preview and review. We got six-step process we're going to walk through today, and I know that 
you guys have already completed your year, uh, fiscal year here, ends on November 30, so we're just a little bit into the year. But New Year's Day, great time to learn from last year and make plans for the new year. So step one in our review and preview is what were your biggest wins from last year? Now, first of all, why is this important that we do this? And then I want you to actually tell me what your wins were. Well, the reason this is so important is because as leaders, our failures are very present to us. And especially as we come in, you know, kind of for a landing on a year, we can focus so much on the things that we didn't accomplish and really forget, almost have amnesia about the great things that Gold happened Asia. as well. Yeah, it's, a new it, term. it's a real thing. It's a real thing. And so if we don't take a minute um, to review the things that were positive that happened, the wins, then it can be a very negative setup for thinking about the coming year. You kind of start from a defeated place. And we really want people to start from a place of feeling empowered and excited about what they're able to accomplish. Yeah, I think that's super important. So Megan, what were your top three wins? You can talk personally or professionally or mix them up if you Mm. want to, but what were your top three wins last year? Yeah, so uh, my top personal win is that my husband Joel and I took a sabbatical for a month. We went out west, mostly spent our time in Montana. Um, This is the first time that we've done that complete sabbatical process. Um, So our kids were out of school for the summer. We went to several state parks, but really we were aiming for making memories and having meaningful connection, and we absolutely did that, so it was fantastic. We also decided we don't ever want to drive for five days straight again. <laughs> so we, we did make that decision, however. Secondly, we launched um, our business accelerator coaching program, which was kind of the next level of a coaching program that we've had for a few years now. And we're just really proud of that and so excited about the transformation that we've seen already with our clients and that we will see throughout the three-year curriculum that we've built. And then it's hard. The, the third one is, is really tough, but I would say opening our office personally for me is a huge win, not only because that project was my baby. Um, We have a whole episode on that. Maybe you can link to that in the show notes, but because we've seen the fruit of that in greater collaboration and teamwork with our team, it's just been so fun to have a home base, a headquarters and see what people get out of that professionally. And in terms of just their, their own personal satisfaction with their work, because they're more connected with one another. Michael, top three wins for you. Well, similar to Megan, um, I took a sabbatical again this year. I've done this every year for about seven years now. But Gail and I went to British Columbia. So we went to Vancouver. We went to Vancouver Island. We went to a place called Bella Bella, where for a week, we were in this really nice, posh fishing camp. We had to get there by helicopter. So you could, it was very remote. Two things you didn't know could go together, fishing camp and posh. I, I like know. that. I mean, <laughs> but it was really, really nice. And we caught a ton of salmon. In fact, last night... We ate salmon from that. We brought back 85 pounds of salmon and halibut that we caught on that trip. And that was a lot of fun. So that was uh, uh, 30 days, 30-day sabbatical. Earlier in the summer, another goal of mine was, and we do this every year when one of our uh, grandkids turns 13, we take them on a one-week trip that they get to plan with us. It has to be in the continental U.S., uh, just to you know, make sure that it's manageable. But we went out west. We started in Phoenix, and we made our way north up through uh, Montana, Wyoming and Montana and ended up at Glacier National Park. But we went fly fishing. We went horseback riding. And we had this amazing time of connection with our granddaughter. And so this was, I think, the fourth one that we've done now. And that creates a kind of relationship 
moving forward as they go into their teenage years with us as their grandparents, then I don't know how else we could, could do it. Just that intense focus for a week has been invaluable. In terms of a business goal, uh, this year I finished the manuscript for my new book, which is coming out in April, Free to Focus. And so I'm super, super excited about that. I think really it's my most important book. And uh, that was just a delight to work on that with uh, Joel Miller, who's our chief content officer. So those are my three goals. You know, I think it's important to point out here, too, to pause and look at this, that between the two of you, that's six wins, and three of them were personal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so when we talk about your biggest wins, we're not just talking about revenue or, or business gains, yep. but this is your whole life. It's really true. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't think you can get to the end of the year and say that was my best year ever if you had a great year at work, but you had a health crisis. Or, you know, you lost connection with your spouse or a significant other or one of your kids. You know, I'm, I'm after what we often call the double win, win at work and succeed at life. You know, I don't want to, to, to win at work at the expense of my life. So all that stuff's got to work together. But that only comes with intention, only by design. You're not going to drift into that. It's got to be designed. Let's move to step two, which is to conduct an after-action review. I have three questions for you, and you can jump in, either of you, wherever you like. But the first one is what worked. As you think about last year, what worked for you? I think having exciting projects that built on an existing concept, but took it to the next level. For example, we saw a lot of momentum and a lot of excitement around the Full Focus Planner. And we saw communities spontaneously springing up really all across the world, but where people wanted to get together and meet up. So they wanted to talk about how they were using it and that kind of thing. So back last summer, we saw an opportunity and we didn't have long to plan this, but we thought, what if we created an event where people came together and it was all about the full focus planner and about achievement. And so we named it Achieve. I can't remember, Meg, you may remember how many weeks we had from the time we first came up with the concept to the time we actually had the conference in September? I think it was three months or less. Yeah. So not a lot of time. So we, we had to create all the logistics. We had to book a venue. Mm -hmm. We had to sell tickets. And we had almost 1,000 people there. I think it was a huge success. But part of what made that work is we were building off an existing success. I think what worked for me was our team. I think we we made some really key hires this year, including our uh, new director of marketing who uh, reports to our chief marketing officer, and then our director of physical product design um, and packaging who is on your team, Larry. Yeah. Um, and because we've expanded physical products and because our marketing has become more complex, the addition of those two leaders has really freed up the leaders that they report to, to lead at a higher level and also just expanded our capability and the expertise that we have. And, you know, anytime we add people to our team that are A players like those two are, it enables us to take a big leap. And I think that was certainly true this year. Mm -hmm. I agree. Well, that's going to bring us to question number two, which uh, now we head into some territory a lot of people don't really want to look at, but it's important to ask these questions as well. What didn't work? Okay, I'm going to visit the honest planet here. And part of what didn't work is we were overly aggressive about some goals at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. And they didn't seem like they were too aggressive in isolation. It seemed like they were in the discomfort zone. But when you put a lot of discomfort zones together organizationally, and if you're not careful, you end up in the delusional zone because you're trying to do too much at once. 
So what happened to us is that we got behind on some of our financial goals early in the year, which had a compounding effect. You know, we're high achievers and we want to accomplish our goals. So we said, hey, fine, no problem. We'll just double up the effort, increase the pace, and actually make up for what we lost. The problem was, is that created a lot of problems with pace and with margin. So I think most of us got to the end of this year, and I'm just being honest, pretty exhausted. You know, pretty much feeling like um, we don't want to repeat in that sense of this next year. That's not going to work. So this next year, we were much more conscious to make sure that collectively all the goals are in the discomfort zone, but individually, not so much. You know, we want goals that we've got a shot of actually achieving them because we need to rebuild that sense of momentum and confidence that frankly got a little bit dinged back at the beginning of 2018. I'll tell you what's great about that too. Um, I mean, first of all, that was hard. So was. I don't want to gloss over that, but it makes for really important conversations, especially when you're scaling a business, when you've uh, had a miss on something, you ask better questions. You, you know, it's it's easy to get overly confident and just sort of think everything you do is going to work no matter what. Complacent. Right. Complacent or, or just even cocky, which is probably worse. And I think what happens when you miss is it enables you to ask um, humbler questions questions, but better quality questions, mm-hmm. um, questions around, you know, what are we doing that we just need to not do? Where do we need to prune? Where have we gotten sloppy or inefficient that we really need to tidy up? Uh, and those kinds of questions have led to really interesting answers that will make for not only better, uh, more intelligent setting of our business goals, but certainly our execution is already so much better um, and our leadership is so much better. And so I've learned over the years that when those things happen, not to fight them, but to really kind of enter into the Mm -hmm. analysis and the question asking, because there are gems there that you cannot find any other way but failure. Um, And you need them for your future success. You do. Well, you're really pointing to the need for what we're doing right now. That's right. Which is to conduct an after-action review, not just on an annual basis, but a, even a project basis right. or at a, at a smaller level. That brings us to question number three, which is really already been answered, but this is a way, I think, of crystallizing the answers. So it's the KISS principle that you mentioned earlier. Uh, what do you want to keep doing, improve, start doing, or stop doing? So having thought about what worked, what didn't, what do you want to keep doing? I want to keep growing. I want to keep reaching for new initiatives. I want to keep innovating. So none of that can go away because that's the lifeblood of, of any organization. You can't coast. If you just decide you're going to coast, you're going to go backwards because there's a current that you're swimming against. I want to keep involving the team in the process of the after action reviews because people on our team see things that we don't see. It was amazing when we went through strategic planning here about maybe six weeks or two months ago when we started the process of how much was corroborated by the collective inside of the leadership team. And, and our larger team, actually. And actually, larger team, Because we too. do a whole team survey to get their input, um, kind of a modified SWOT analysis that they participate in via survey. And it was amazing how much uh, consensus there was and, and also how much our leadership team agreed with them. Yeah. So, for example, people talked about pace and just it was unsustainable. And we went, yep, you got that right. I mean, it was just uh, confirmed to all of us what all of us were mm-hmm. were feeling. So, but, but still under, under this uh, question of what do we want to keep doing, you know, I want to keep doing the planning that way. I want to keep involving the team that way because they see stuff that we don't see. Yeah. 
And I want to keep our focus on culture and developing our team, because one of the things that we talked about in our most recent team training is that individually and collectively as a team, we have to continue growing at the same rate or or even ahead of the rate that the business is growing. You know, the, the mm-hmm. COO that Michael Hyatt and company is going to need next year is not the person that I am today. So I have to continue growing. And that's true for every single person on our team in order to be ahead of the growth that we're pursuing. Um, that's really exciting to me, but it means as leaders um, and as principals, we have to invest in our team and their growth and development as our top priority so that we can all move together in the same direction toward our future. So what do you want to improve? Obviously, you want to keep doing things that are working well. Is there anything that you, you still want to do, but it really needs to be ramped up a bit? One of the things I've been thinking about um, in the last couple of weeks is how to make uh, my thinking about certain things related to our culture more explicit so that we can align the team around them, whether that's a vision for the future or something um, that I want to happen within the company itself or with an initiative. And as you grow and scale, it, the communication becomes more challenging because instead of a one-to-one, it's a you know one-to-one, one-to-few, and then one-to-many. And how do you get that communication? clearly through your whole organization. And so my focus is going to be on uh, making my communication more explicit through writing through one of our tools called the Project Vision Caster that I'm going to be using in a really disciplined way so that I can transmit that thinking. And so we don't have kind of like a game of telephone, you know, where by the time it gets to the last person, it's less clear than or different than than where you started. But I think that's a a really important piece of what um, our team needs as we grow to stay aligned. One of the things that I definitely want to improve is our budgeting process. You know, we're pretty disciplined about that, but I think that we've learned some things this past year in terms of, of having not just an overall budget, but a more specific budget for different projects and different campaigns so that we can track those expenses and make sure that we hit the profit objectives that we want to hit. Mm-hmm. So there's some, some tweaking to that. It's not a major thing. It's not that it's not in place, but we can definitely improve it. Okay, how about something you're going to stop doing? But I am going to stop staying up so late at night. Oh, that's a good one. So this is one that I feel like this is probably going to rotate through my goal list about every, you know, two to three years because it's a real struggle um, for me. And I really need to be going to bed by 930 if I'm going to get up at 530. Um, And my challenge is, is that after I put my kids to bed, you parents of of younger kids that are home, you can probably relate to this. You just want some time by yourself. And there can be great creep to that where all of a sudden it's 930, it's 10, you know, my husband Joel may be working on something else. um, And we have just decided together, this is a critical priority because sleep is the foundation, not only for good self-care and health, but for high quality thinking and leadership. And so as basic as it sounds, that's going away. Well, I can help you with that. Uh, if you want to get to bed earlier, unsubscribe from Netflix and don't ask me how I know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> ask now, him for now, a that, now that's too hard. <laughs> <laughs> Happy New Year, everybody. Mike Boyer here from the Michael Hyatt content team. If you want a deeper dive on the annual preview concept, check out today's show notes. You'll find a complete transcript of the show, plus compelling articles on the science of gratitude and the value of the after action review. Check them out at lead2.win. Subscribe to this podcast now so you don't miss a single episode in the new year. It's super easy. Just visit iTunes or wherever you listen. If you need help, go to lead2.win slash subscribe. 
You'll get fresh content and practical solutions delivered straight to your device every Tuesday. Also, follow Michael on Instagram to get personal updates, plus an early look at what's coming from Michael Hyatt and Company. You can do that right now on your smartphone. Now, let's get back to the show. So we've uh, been through step one, which was to list wins and begin whatever new period it is, this, in this case a year, in a posture of gratitude. And we've conducted a little mini after-action review, find out what worked and what didn't, some things to drop and add. Step number three is to conduct a goal review. Really, this is goal setting. And now I know that you've done this because we did it as a company. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have a personal goal that you'd be willing to share? We're kind of looking forward this is something you envision that this year is going to be true in your life. What would that be? So one of mine that I'm really excited about is to start or join a small group uh, with my church by February the 1st, 2019. So this is something I've not done before, um, but Joel and I, in our reflection on 2018, feel like we need to prioritize um, regular intentional community that's not just kind of random and unplanned, but we need a little bit more structure there. And so we uh, were invited to participate in one with um, some people at our church. And so I've kind of taken on spearheading, organizing that a little bit, and I think we may end up hosting it. But I'm really excited excited about that. Just having that consistent group of people that we're doing life with, that we meet with every other week um, in our our home, or maybe back and forth with another couple. But I think that's going to be just an important life domain to focus on is that social friendship piece, especially with the spiritual component. Michael, do you have a personal goal that you can share? Yes. So I have a goal that's in the realm of physical fitness, and it's to run the St. Jude Rock and Roll Half Marathon here in Nashville on April the 27th. So I haven't run a half marathon since 2010, and I ran about five or so before that. And part of it was I felt like, you know, been there, done that, and it kind of lost the pizzazz. But one of the things I've noticed over the last several years is that my cardio training has kind of lacked direction and has become boring to me. And as an achiever, I like achieving things. And I, I noticed that when I first had this thought, it was at our team training And we're kind of confronting our own limiting beliefs. And I thought to myself, well, I'm too old for that. And I thought, oh, now I have to do it. You know, (laughs) I I just have to, I have to confront that limiting belief. Uh, And I never forget the first time I was running that same half marathon. At the time it was called the Country Music Half Marathon. But I was behind a guy who had a t-shirt and I was coming up on him and the back of his t-shirt said, I may be 80, but I'm ahead of you. And so that guy's always inspired me. So I thought, you know, I think I would really enjoy the training process because then it gives meaning to my cardio workouts because I'm actually moving toward a bigger goal. And I just, I love, love, love how I felt back in those days when I was training for the half marathon and just what I had to overcome personally and psychologically to to achieve it. And having just been at, at West Point where they talked about, you know, that one of the number one things for for an effective leader is resilience. And one of the best ways to learn resilience is to have to overcome something physical. And that's why they place so much emphasis on physical fitness. I thought, you know, this is something I need to to get back into. Well, let me walk you through the smarter framework and see if we can check off these boxes here. Specific. So it is... The St. Jude rock and roll half marathon. Okay. So it's a particular race. It's very specific. Uh, Measurable. Well, it's kind of measurable by virtue of the fact that it's got a date on it. I mean, I'll know when I get to uh, the end of the day on April 27th whether I, whether I ran it or not. It's also 13.1 miles. 
That's true. I mean, that's baked into half marathon. True. Uh, Actionable. Yes. I started with a good, strong action verb, run. Okay. So S-M-A-R, risky. It's risky because I haven't done it in almost a decade. And running the race is not the challenge. It's the getting there that's the challenge. You know, can I can I train without, you know, creating some kind of stress fracture or, you know, plantar fasciitis, you know, all things I've, in, I've encountered in the past, uh, some kind of injury that would keep me out of it? Can I overcome the psychological part of it? Can I come overcome uh, making time for the training, particularly as I get closer to the event and I'm running longer distances? Time keyed because it does have a date. What was the yes. date again? The date is April 27th, and this is an achievement goal, so there's only one time key. Right. Uh, exciting, and we heard you talk about uh, getting excited about getting back into running and and yeah. th- the way that's going to make you feel, um, the key motivation too. Plus, there's, there's two exciting points in the race, when you start and when you end. Yeah. The in-between, <laughs> not so much. Yeah. <laughs> and relevant, the final R, and you talked about your health and life stage and, and why this is meaningful at this time yeah. in your life. I, so. I feel like in a little, I, I never really thought of this before now, but I think I've got something to prove to myself. And so at this point in my life, I think I want to prove to myself, you know, that I can still stay on top of my uh, physical goals and I don't have to just, you know, I mean, I I get that I'm going to eventually get old and die, but I don't want to do that any sooner than I have to. And I'd like to stay strong till the end. Well, we've been through three steps of our process Listing wins, conducting an after-action review, conducting a goal review, that brings us to step four, which is to conduct a calendar review. Now, this is easier to visualize and think about on a daily basis or a weekly basis. You look at your appointments and your schedule. But we're really talking about big rocks here on an annual basis. So look over, think over the next 12 months. What are some big rocks that are there? And uh, are you committed to them? Have you changed any of them? How does this year shape up for you? What's coming up and what you're... I'm not asking this right. One of the things I want to get to is that you recommit to your priorities. Okay, so for me, part of this process begins, and it actually began in September with my assistant, Jim. I completed a tool that we have called Spend Your Days on Paper. Now, we got this idea from Dave Ramsey, who says that as you're planning your budget for the next month or the next year... Every dollar has to have a name. So you want to spend it on paper before you have to experience it in reality. So I do the same thing with time. Time's a resource just like money. The only difference is that uh, you don't have an unlimited supply and you can't get more of it. So you've got a fixed number of, of days that you have. So what I did, how I put the big rocks into that tool, and we'll link to this tool so that people have access to it uh, if they want it, but it's a pretty cool tool. But what I did was I said, first of all, I'm going to spend my free time. So the time off stage. That's what I want to do first, because most people do the exact opposite. They put in all the big rocks, and if they've got time left over, they'll take some vacation, they'll take the weekends off. I said, no, that's not how I, I start. I've never, I haven't done it that way for years. So I'm going to start first, what vacations do I want to take? So I want to take three weeks of vacation, and in addition, I want to take a four-week sabbatical. So seven complete weeks off, not counting holidays or weekends. So that's, that's the first thing that has to go into my schedule and my work has to fit around that. So that's a, if you've never done that before, it's a game changer. And it creates some constraints on the days that are left so that you make sure that you get your work done and you don't just drift into this time 
that you could spend off stage actually, you know, rejuvenating and getting refreshed and ready, you know, to go to the next uh, level. So that was first. Then I took my most important activities and I said, okay, there's certain things that are more important than other things. So then I put in that next level of, of priorities in. So that I just worked through and it's a fixed number of days and it's all got a balance in the end. And I also knew that I need some margin for things. I don't know if this happens to anybody else, but occasionally things take longer than I think. So I got to have some fudge factor in there. I've got to have some margin in there. And so all of it's got to balance out. It forces me to make some really hard decisions about what I'm going to do. Because as long as you don't confront the limitations of your calendar, you end up over planning and doing all this stuff and not making the hard decisions about what's really possible. But when you're looking at a fixed number of days that are on the calendar that you get to spend any way you want, and it's like, I think Greg McEwen said this, you can do uh, anything you want, you just can't do everything you want. So it forces you to make decisions. That's really the the beauty of a calendar review mm-hmm. uh, at any level, even if for a week or a month, uh, you're doing the same thing. Meg, what does your year look like and how did it get shaped that way? Well, one of the things that's going to be new for me this year is I'm going to be intentional about spending two days a week out of the office. Um, that'll probably happen toward the end of the first quarter. I'm doing um, some renovation on my home office coming up here to make space for that. But I also need more time to think and more time, as I said earlier, to articulate uh, my vision and um, kind of the front end of projects for my team. And right now, um, I've been doing that through meetings, and so I'm going to reduce that in spend more time just focused on thinking. Um, And I think that's going to be really exciting. I'm also going to be spending a significant amount of time uh, on kind of like a top secret project for women in our audience. So we have been getting a lot of feedback from you ladies about things that you would like to see both in terms of physical products, in terms of content. And so um, I am closely working with the content team on those projects. So more to come on that. Really going to be exciting to see that evolve. Well, that brings us to step five in our process here, which is to review your daily rituals. Michael, just remind us what the daily rituals are. And then I'd like to hear if you want to share some of your daily ritual and were there any changes that you made this year? So a ritual is basically a way of self-automation. It's a way to put a series of events that you do on an automatic pilot. These are are things that you're going to do habitually and routinely, and you're going to do it so that you can set yourself up for the best day possible. Now, I got this from the world of athletics where I watched athletes who had these pregame rituals. And sometimes they're even superstitious about it. Some things that they've got to do the night before or the day of the game, But it sets them up psychologically, and I would say physically and emotionally in every other way, to actually succeed. The truth is, everybody has a ritual. It just may not be intentional. So all I'm saying is, let's be intentional and design the rituals that set us up for success. So my morning ritual, and some of this is embarrassing in the sense that it's so detailed, but I just kind of want to line this out and and know what program I'm going to run through. But I've got about 12 things that I do on on a daily basis as part of my morning ritual. Seriously? Yeah. That's a lot of things. Well, it's, I mean, it's everything that I do from the time I wake up till the time I, okay. I hit the office. Okay. So now really I'm embarrassed. 
<laughs> Sorry. Okay, so I wake up and I breathe. No, no. <laughs> first thing I do is I rehydrate when I get up in the morning. So I drink a big glass of water. Happens to be with apple cider vinegar. But then I take my morning supplements. I make some bulletproof coffee. Read the Bible. Pray. Journal. Meditate. Drive to the gym with my wife. Exercise. Drive home. Shower. Dress. Megan. Getting to bed on time is so important for me. And so I really had to redo my evening routine. So I've decided my kids go to bed at seven o'clock and that is when my evening routine has to start. So that includes, you know, putting them to bed, obviously. And then I have introvert time. So my husband, Joel, and I talked about this and we are both introverts after a long day at the office with meetings. Um, we need time just to kind of like do our own thing. So mm -hmm. that could be watching a show, um, reading or taking a bath, you know, going on a walk for him, whatever that that looks like do you call that introvert time call it introvert time I, ha I have an hour of introvert time that's a thing built in my evening ritual and then i have 30 minutes of time to connect with joel so we we do want to spend time together but we feel like that's the most productive after we've had a little time to ourselves after we put our kids to bed um then getting ready for bed uh praying together before bed and then our lights are out so um, it's kind of basic again, but I've, I've built in, you know, Larry, to your point, I've built in the Netflix time because that for me is kind of a nice way to decompress. But I've also made sure that I've, it's not going to keep me up too late. There's an end point to that. I, I just want to say no shame in Netflix time. No. No, there's or so much Amazon good television. Prime, on. Guys, right. you're paying for it already. It's there. There's a lot, Use a lot it. that you don't even know about. <laughs> Well, let's get to step six. This is the final step in our annual preview, and that is to review your ideal week. Megan, tell me what an ideal week is. Remind us for listeners who may not be familiar, and then I would like to know, have you made uh, significant changes to your ideal week moving into the new year? So the ideal week is really just that. It's your ideal week. If you could kind of blueprint your week in terms of the, the blocks of time that you want to spend on certain things and batch those together, what would the rhythm of your week look like? And we actually lay this out in a calendar, a Google calendar called Ideal Week. It's also in your planner. You can do that in an analog fashion there. But it's very helpful because you make sure that you're making time for all the things that matter most to you in a way that has a rhythm to it. So you can give this to your executive assistant um, to populate and not that you're ever going to adhere to it 100%. For those of you who are natural perfectionists, it's important to say your ideal week is never going to adhere or your or your real week is never going to ad adhere to your ideal week 100%. But it gives you some guardrails on where things go, like, for example, internal meetings, external meetings, um, front stage activities, um, you know, like meeting with clients or uh, creating a podcast, like and this is a particular day in our ideal week where we're creating content that we produce, which is a, a front stage activity for us. Um, we also have in our company ideal week on Thursdays, that's a meeting free day. So that's really a project day for most people where they're, they're working on projects, um, deep work, those kinds of things. So it gives you some guidelines. Um, so for my personal ideal week, I'm making some changes this year in how I do my meetings with um, direct reports. I'm going to shift those to Tuesdays. I've previously done them on kind of a combination of Monday and Tuesday. So I'm going to kind of consolidate those. I'm also going to be out of the office uh, two days a week. That'll probably be Thursday and Friday working from home. Um, that will enable me to minimize my meetings and do more of that, you know, kind of focused work that, uh, 
um, has been challenging with so many meetings. And then Monday is a day that I'll spend doing um, internal meetings. So that will be like our executive team meetings, leadership team meetings, um, things like that outside of one-on-ones. So we can see that when you do your uh, after action review and you find out what's working, what's not working, that's going to inform things like your ideal week. And and flow down into the way you actually spend your days. Right. And it's, you know, these aren't big sweeping changes, but what you find is that you can make small tweaks that can have a big impact. And so you don't want to lose the opportunity to do that. Michael, how about you? Have you made any adjustments to your ideal week for 2019? Yes. And definitely uh, related to my after action review. So for example, this last year I had three days a week dedicated to front stage kinds of activities which are, by the way, you know, it's a designation that we use in Free to Focus, but a front stage activity is what you're getting paid for by the person that employs you. So in my case, that would be things like webinars or speeches or podcasts or those types of things. So this year, what I've changed in my ideal week, and again, I look at this every quarter, but I've got three days a week allocated for backstage activities, like Monday is my meeting days. Thursday is other backstage activities with, you know, that could be preparation for something, could be rehearsal, could be a number of things. And then Friday is my day. I've got the whole day blocked for visioneering, which is kind of go to go back to that think time uh, that we had talked about earlier. Then for me, Tuesdays and Wednesdays are front stage activities. So, you know, as far as it depends upon me and Jim, we're trying to push everything that's a front stage activity into Tuesday and Wednesdays. We're recording this podcast, for example, it's Wednesday. This is a front stage activity for me. So it's getting blocked in here on Wednesday. Then Saturday and Sunday are offstage time. So that's, that's time when I'm not thinking about work. I'm not talking about work. I'm not reading about work. I'm doing something other than work. So that's how mine looks for this year. Well, that wraps up our annual preview uh, episode. And let me remind everybody of the six steps to conducting your own annual review and preview. Step one, list your biggest wins. Step two, conduct an after action review. Step three, conduct a goal review. Step four, conduct a calendar review. Step five, review your daily rituals. And step six, review your ideal week. Let me bring this home with one question, hopefully tie a nice bow on it for the new year. What is your vision for 2019 in one word? Optimization. Pruning. All right. There's a preview of the year ahead for Michael and Megan and for Michael Hyatt and company. Happy New Year, everybody.